directly to our podcast channels where you can find us on the most Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Welcome to another edition of God Honest Truth live stream. And we do want to take this moment to just apologize real quick for the technical difficulties we've been having tonight. That is why we got such a late start and also because why you're not seeing me right now. We've had some trouble with the cameras at the last minute. Don't know what's going on. Haven't had time to diagnose that yet, but we will try and get that fixed before next week. So for tonight, we're going to continue on as planned, but we will not have my smiling face up there for you to see tonight. However, you will still have the audio and we'll still be having the drosh. And tonight's drosh is going to be all about Valentine's Day and the Bible. Some history behind it, some customs behind it, all that good stuff. And of course, we're going to get into some scripture as well. So definitely make sure to stay tuned for that. But before we get into that, we're, of course, going to be doing the liturgy, the Torah portion, Haft Torah portion, and Brit Hadashah portion, because as always, the Word of God is more important than any drosh or teaching that has come up by man. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into our liturgy. Kohod balevav panima nefesh yehudi omiya ufateh misrak kadima ayin lezion sofiya Olo avda tikvatenu Ha-tikva bashnot al-pahim Lahiyotam kovshi Beharzenu Eretz ziyon virushalayim Lahiyotam kovshi Beharzenu Eretz Zion Verushalayim Shema Yisrael Yahweh Eloheinu Yahweh Echad Baruch Shem Kevod Malhuto Leolam Vaed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be his name, whose glorious kingdom is for eternity. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And have these words which I command you this day be upon your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children, and speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and let them be frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house, and upon your gates. So in the way of announcements this week, I would like to take the moment to remind everyone that we do have audio podcasts for all of the tour portions that we do every week and also all of the episodes that we do every week as well. You can find those audio podcasts on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that be Amazon Music, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Podchaser, or what have you. 
And to go check out all those links, you can go to our website, www.godhonesttruth.com. Click on Get Engaged and then click on the audio podcast link. Or you can just go to your favorite audio podcasting platform and search for God Honest Truth. Now, like I said, tonight's Drosh is going to be all about Valentine's Day and how it coincides or doesn't coincide with our faith. So definitely make sure to stay tuned tonight for that Drosh. Next week, we're going to be doing a Drosh or teaching on head coverings. So make sure to stay tuned for that as well. And also, right after that, we're going to be doing a Drosh on Purim. Now, these teachings and Droshes, as well as all the teachings and Droshes, are going to be presented every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So make sure to schedule that in your calendar and mark it out so you can watch live. And if you happen to miss it live for some reason, you can always catch us on the on-demand version by going to GodHonestTruth.com, clicking on the post for the relevant Drosh, or you can always go to the video platform of your choice, whether that be YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, or BitChute, and catch the on-demand version as well. Although, it's a lot better if you go to our website because we also have the slideshow for the Drosh right there in the post with it. And we also have tonight's up there as well. So if you go to our website, you can click on the post for tonight on Valentine's Day and follow along with us. You can stop at a certain point if you want to. It makes it a whole lot easier for those of you out there who are like me and like to take notes. So go check that out at GodHonestTruth.com. And as always, here is your list of upcoming feast days or Moedim for the next upcoming year. And of course, our next upcoming feast day is going to be Purim. That's going to be coming up at sunset on March 6th and runs through sunset of March 7th. And once again, make sure to tune in to the Drosh on Purim coming up in two weeks to learn more about what Purim is, how it's celebrated, where it came from, all that good stuff. And like always, if you have any prayer requests or announcements that you would like to have announced live on air, make sure to have those in to us by Thursday evening at the latest, because we do go live on Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you would just like to like for us to pray with you and pray for you without having your prayer requests announced live on air, that's all right too. Just let us know when you write in to us. And the best way to contact us is through email at team at GodHonestTruth.com. So, let's go ahead and get back to our liturgy. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who has given us the way of salvation in Messiah Yeshua. He walked among us, filled with your Spirit. The only one who ever perfectly fulfilled your Torah, he healed the sick and raised the dead. The multitudes of our people sought his touch. He taught as no man taught. With authority he brought forth the treasures of the Torah. How the children sought him, the lepers he touched and made clean. How the despised and outcast found love and release from their sin. How the hypocrites feared him, whose words uncovered their sin. Despised and rejected, acquainted with grief, he bore the sins of Israel. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, turned every one to his own way. Our iniquities were laid upon the king, the sins of the world, his burden to bear. He rose from the dead and opened the way to life everlasting. Praise his name. We are in him. His spirit empowers New life is ours with joy and peace. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who has given us Messiah our King. For the sake of our Master Yeshua, in His merit and virtues, may the sayings of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be favorable before you, O Lord, my Rock and my Redeemer. Amen. Avinu Shabashamayim Yikadesh Shimcha Tavo Mehutecha Yasa Retsonecha Baaretz Kaasher Naasa Vashamayim Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Let thy kingdom come, let thy will be done, as on earth, so as in heaven. Ten lanu chayom, lechem hukenu. Usalach lanu, et ashmetenu ka asher. So lechem anachnu, la asher ashmulanu. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Ve'al tevienu lide masa, ki im hatzilenu min hara. Ki lacha, hamam lacha, v'hagavora, v'hatifaret, le'olame, olamim. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. None can compare to you, O Lord, and nothing compares to your creation. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your mercy endures throughout all generations. The Lord is King. The Lord was King. The Lord shall be King throughout all time. May the Lord grant his people mercy. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt him together. And it came to pass, whenever the ark went forth, Moses would say, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. May those who hate you flee from before you. For from Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Blessed be he who in holiness gave the Torah to his people, Israel. All right, and tonight's Torah portion is going to be Exodus chapter 31, verses, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 31, verse 1 through chapter 32, verse 14. And we'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation if you would like to follow along with us at home. Exodus chapter 31, verse 1 through chapter 32, verse 14. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son, son of Hur, of the tribe of Yehuda, and I have filled him with the spirit of Elohim in wisdom, and in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all work, to make designs for work in gold, and in silver, and in bronze, and in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, and to work in all work. And I, look, I have appointed with him Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of every one who is wise-hearted, and they shall make all that I have commanded you, the tent of appointment, <clears throat> and the ark of the witness, and the lid of atonement that is on it. And all the utensils of the tent, and the table, and its utensils, and the clean gold lampstand with all its utensils, and the slaughter place of incense, and the slaughter place of ascending offering, with all its utensils, and the basin and its stand, and the woven garments, and the set-apart garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for serving as priest, and the anointing oil, and sweet incense for the set-apart place." According to all that I have commanded you, they are to do. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, And you, speak to the children of Israel, saying, My Sabbath you are to guard, by all means, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, to know that I, Yahweh, am setting you apart. And you shall guard the Sabbath, for it is set apart to you. Everyone who profanes it shall certainly be put to death, for anyone who does work on it, that being shall be cut off from among his people. Six days work is done, and on the seventh is a Sabbath of rest, set apart to Yahweh. Everyone doing work on the Sabbath day shall certainly be put to death. And the children of Israel shall guard the Sabbath to perform the Sabbath throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant. 
Between me and the children of Israel, it is a sign forever. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he had ended speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moshe two tablets of the witness, tablets of stone written with the finger of Elohim. And when the people saw that Moshe was so long in coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Arise, make us mighty ones who go before us. For this Moshe, the man who brought us up out of the land of Mitzrayim, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Take off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people took off the golden earrings which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he took this from their hand, and he formed it with an engraving tool, and made a molded calf. And they said, This is your mighty one, O Yisrael, that brought you out of the land of Mitzrayim. And Aaron saw and built a slaughter place before it. And Aaron called out and said, Tomorrow is a festival to Yahweh. And they rose early on the next day and offered ascending offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And Yahweh said to Moshe, Go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Mitzrayim have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf, and have bowed themselves to it, and slaughtered to it, and said, This is your mighty one, O Yisrael, who brought you out of the land of Mitzrayim. And Yahweh said to Moshe, I have seen this people, and see, it is a stiff-necked people. And now let me alone, that my wrath might burn against them, and I consume them, and I make of you a great nation. But Moshe pleaded with Yahweh his Elohim, and said, Yahweh, why does your wrath burn against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Mitzrayim with great power and with a strong hand? Why should the Mitzrites speak and say, For evil he brought them out to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from the heat of your wrath, and relent from this evil to your people. Remember Abraham, Yitshak, Yisrael, your servants to whom you swore by yourself, and said to them, I increase your seed like the stars of the heavens, and all this land I have spoken of I give to your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And Yahweh relented from the evil which he said he would do to his people. Baruch atah Yahweh, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu Torah temet, Bekaye Olam Betukenu, Baruchata Yahweh, Notain Ha Torah. Amen. This is the Torah which Moses placed before the children of Israel. It is in accord with the Lord's command by the hand of Moses. It is a tree of life to those who take hold of it, and those who support it are praiseworthy. Its ways are ways of pleasantness, and all its paths are peace. Bring us back, Lord, to you, and we shall come. Renew our days as of old. Etaim hi, lama hazim kimba, vetomehe ha meushar, derahe ha dahe noam, Veho nativote ha shalom. Hashivenu adonai. Elehave nashuvam. Hadesh. Hadesh amenu. Hadesh amenu. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has chosen faithful prophets to speak words of truth. Amen. All right, and tonight's Haftorah portion is going to be Ezekiel chapter 20, 
verses 1 through 7. And we'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation at home. Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 1 through 7. And it came to be in the seventh year, in the fifth month, on the tenth of the new moon, that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of Yahweh and sat before me. And the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, Thus said the master Yahweh, Have you come to inquire of me? As I live, I am not being inquired of by you, declares the Master Yahweh. Judge them, son of man, judge them. Make known to them the abominations of their fathers. And you shall say to them, Thus said the Master Yahweh, On the day that I chose Israel and lifted my hand in an oath to the seed of the house of Jacob and made myself known to them in the land of Mitzrayim, I lifted my hand in an oath to them, saying, I am Yahweh your Elohim. On that day I lifted my hand in an oath to them to bring them out of the land of Mitzrayim into a land that I had searched out for them, flowing with milk and honey, the splendor of all lands. And I said to them, Each one of you throw away the abominations which are before his eyes and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Mitzrayim. I am, I am Yahweh your Elohim. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given us the living word in Messiah Yeshua. Blessed are you, O Lord, giver of the renewed covenant. Amen. All right, and tonight's Brit Hadashah portion is going to be Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And one more time, we'll give you just a moment to find that in your preferred translation so that you can follow along at home. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. If then you were raised with Messiah, seek the matters which are above, where Messiah is, seated at the right hand of Elohim. Mind the matters above, not those on earth. For you have died, and your life has been hidden with Messiah in Elohim. When the Messiah, who is our life, is manifested, then you also shall be manifested with him in esteem. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, whoring, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and greed of gain, which is idolatry. Baruch Yahweh, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. Asher Natan Lanu HaDevar HaEmet, Vechaye Olam Betukenu. Baruch Yahweh, Notain Habrit Chadashah. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who gave to us the word of truth and planted life everlasting in our midst. Blessed are you, O Lord, giver of the renewed covenant. Amen. All right, so in just a moment we'll be getting into tonight's drosh. But just want to take a moment to remind everyone to go down below. Let us know what it is that you think about Valentine's Day down in the comments. And how does it, do you think it relates to our faith? Is it a holiday that's something that the faithful partake in? Is it a holiday that's something that the faithful do not partake in? Or is it maybe neutral somehow? Or just what are your thoughts on it? Let us know down below. Also, while you're down there, be sure to hit that like button as well as hit the subscribe button and ring the bell so that you're notified every time that we go live or upload an on-demand video. And while you're down there, make sure to hit that share button and share it around with your friends, family, colleagues, or who have you. Because if you're watching this right now, odds are 
someone you know in your circle would also enjoy this type of content. So go ahead and share it around through email, through social networking, text message, or what have you. Because we always appreciate every time that you tell someone about God Honest Truth Ministries. So, like I said, tonight's drosh is going to be all about Valentine's Day, how it relates to our faith, the history, some of the symbols and customs behind it, and of course we're going to be getting into a little bit of scripture as well. Unfortunately, this is one of those topics where we don't have a massive amount of literature, I'm sorry, scripture to go along with it, so I do apologize for that, but we are going to be including some that does relate to the subject. So make sure to have your notes ready and be listening and pay attention. But if not, you can always go back, watch the on-demand version, along with the slides at your own pace as well. A little bit of the outline as to what's going to go on tonight in tonight's teaching. We're going to be examining a possible Roman connection with Valentine's Day. Of course, we're going to be going over the person saint, in quotes, Valentine. We're going to be doing some information about Valentine's Day today, which may be a little boring because we live in today's day and age and we probably already know all about that, but maybe there's something there that you don't know anyways. Of course, we'll be going over a few of the symbols of Valentine's Day, and then we're going to be doing some clarification after we examine all this information and evidence. So first things first, is there some kind of Roman origin behind Valentine's Day? Of course, as we know, the Greeks and the Romans and the Egyptians, of course, as well as others in the area there, were all pagans. So if it has a Roman origin, then it would, of course, have a pagan origin as well, sort of like Christmas or Easter. But just to give you a little bit of backstory on the Romans, the Romans believed that back in the day there were two twin boys that were born and the names of these boys were Romulus and Remus. Now, at the time they were born, there was a king there who saw these boys as a threat to his throne, so he sought to have them killed. And the newborns were left to die on the Tiber River. However, this wasn't the end of the story because they didn't die. They were actually rescued and saved by a she-wolf who was named Lupa. And the she-wolf cared for them, nursed them, kept them alive until they grew up. Now, the wolf that cared for them, her name was called Lupercal. Now, kind of start putting this in your brainy parts here, that word Lupercal, because it's going to come into play here in just a moment. We'll get a little bit farther into the history uh, here within Romans, or about the Romans, rather. But anyways, these boys, these two twin boys, they grew up and they decided to build a city. However, they argued about where to build the city, what to name it, as brothers do sometimes. And back in the day, one of the best ways to solve a disagreement or an argument or something you couldn't decide on your own was, of course, to just kill your opponent and then you win. Well, this is what happened. Romulus killed Remus, so he got to decide where to build the city, what to name it, all that good stuff. Then Romulus founded a city, called it after his self, and named it Rome. Now, going forward in history some, we come to the festival of Lupercalia. Remember that name, Lupercal? But anyways... Back in the day, on February 14th, there was a holiday that was observed in honor of the pagan god Juno. Then, on February 15th, was the beginning of the Feast of Lupercalia. Now, during this feast, goats and dogs were sacrificed by the priest, I guess you could say it, called the Luperci. They were also called Brothers of the Wolf. Remember the wolf from the whole origin story from Romulus and Remus? But these sacrifices, they took place at the entrance of Lupercal. That's where the cave where the she-wolf is supposedly took care of Romulus and Remus. But on the eve of Lupercalia, young Roman women would take slips of paper 
write their name on it, and then put these slits of paper with their name in a jar. After that, the young Roman men would come by, take a name from that jar, and they would be paired with the name of the girl that he drew out of that jar for sometimes just during that particular feast of Lupercalia, or sometimes until the next year when the feast came back around. But anyways, this is how the young Roman women and young Roman men would pair up during this. So you can already kind of see the sorts of things that were involved with this festival of Lupercalia. One of the things that happened during this festival is that the young men would go around and slap the women with strips of hide that were created from the sacrifices they had of the goats and the dogs that they killed during this feast as a sacrifice. And as they went around and they slapped these women, this was a whole fertility thing. It was supposed to bring about fertility and not, you know, let barrenness go on in these women. And it was a very, oh, how do I should I say this? It's a lustful experience, very carnal kind of event. So like I said, the ritual was supposed to, was believed to make the women fertile. And there's also some reports that the fertility aspect was supposed to extend also to the land and the country as well for a good harvest, good stuff like that. In fact, Plutarch, wrote this about Lupercalia. He said, Many of the noble youths and all of the magistrates run up and down through the city naked for sport and laughter, striking those they meet with shaggy thongs. Remember those strips we were talking about? And many women of rank also purposely get in their way and, like children at school, present their hands to be struck, believing that the pregnant will thus be helped in delivery and the barren to pregnancy. And this wasn't just back in the day. This whole thing of Lupercalia, it was remembered all the way up until Shakespeare's time. And he wrote kind of a reference to it in his play called Julius Caesar. And in that play, Caesar's talking to Mark Antony, or Marullus, whatever you want to call it. And Caesar says, Forget not in your speed, Antonio, to touch Calpurnia, for our elders say the baron touched in this holy chase, shake off their sterile curse. And Mark Antony, or Marlis, says, you know it is the feast of Lupercal, or like we've been calling it, Lupercalia. So, in a nutshell, this whole Lupercalia thing was an excuse by the Romans to have a feast or a festival dedicated to their pagan satanic gods and give them an excuse for, well, pretty much an orgy, right? Something in the Bible definitely talks against and prohibits. So there is Lupercalia, something to keep in your mind and remember for later on. Now we're going to move on to St. Valentine. And we're not going to get into the whole discussion about saints and whether it's good, bad, should be done, shouldn't be done, etc., etc. That could be a teaching all in of itself. Tonight, we're just going to talk about this person that is referred to by the Catholic Church as Saint Valentine. Now, back during the day, in, during the reign of Emperor Claudius II, Rome was involved in several bloody and unpopular campaigns. Now, being at war was nothing new to Rome. Rome was, on a regular basis, involved in battles and taking over various territories. They expanded their empire, right? But Emperor Claudius, he was waging some wars and campaigns that were unpopular with the populace, and upsetting the populace was not really a good thing. And he found out that it was actually getting tough to try to get men to join in his army so that he could go out and continue these campaigns. And the men, they wanted to, you know, 
not really go out and fight, but they want to raise a family, get married, all the stuff that normal people just want to do. So Claudius banned marriages and engagements in order to try and boost recruitment into the military. However, a Catholic priest named Valentine or Valentinus disobeyed and continued marrying couples in secret. Christians, Romans, etc., etc. He did all of this under the nose of Claudius, the emperor. Unfortunately, he was eventually found out, and when he was found out, he was taken, he was imprisoned, he was beaten, and then he was killed. Now, the day he was killed was on February 14th, and from all the research I found, it was somewhere about the year 270 in the Common Era or AD. Now, there are alternate versions and other people named Valentine, but this is the one most commonly associated with Valentine's Day. Like I said, there were more than one Valentine's. There was a Valentine of Rome, which is the one we've already mentioned. There was also a Valentine of Turney, and Valentine or Valentinus was somewhat of a popular name back then. But like we said, we're just going to focus on the Valentine of Rome. Now, both of these Valentines that we've got listed here were executed on February 14th, coincidentally. However, they were executed in different years, but they were still during the same emperor's reign. However, in 498, Pope Galatius established February 14th as St. Valentine's Day. Now, before that, in about 491, I think is what I researched here, is that they actually banned all non-Christian, quote-unquote non-Christian, festivals and holidays. Okay? They... Yeah, it gets mixed up because the whole Feast of Nativity, what we refer to as Christmas today, had already crept in. And of course, that's non-Christian, but they considered it Christian because they slapped a Jesus sticker on it. Uh, yeah, but just let it be said that there was a declaration went out that all quote-unquote non-Christian holidays and festivals were banned. And that included Lupercalia. That was about 491. Then in 498, as you can see here, St. Valentine's Day was established. <clears throat> Excuse me. In honor of that bishop who we spoke about, Bishop Valentine, who was killed for marrying people against orders. However, there wasn't really a festival or a feast or actions or customs associated with St. Valentine's Day at this point in history, at the end of the 5th century. It was just a day in honor of someone the Catholic Church had sainted. Now, if you go out and look, you can look up all these various days of the year which saints are honored on that particular day. I looked it up earlier, and there is a ton for just about every day of the year. I mean, it's amazing how many days have, quote-unquote, saints associated with them. And this is just something the Catholic Church did, and still does, actually. They just honor somebody they sainted by giving them a day. doesn't mean there's any particular customs or feast associated with that. And that's the way it was for St. Valentine's Day. And now we're going to jump up and go into Valentine's Day today. But not really 21st century. We're going to go back just a little bit to about the Middle Ages. <clears throat> now during the Middle Ages, this is when Valentine's Day really became associated with love and romance. So it's been almost a thousand years since 
Lupercalia had been banned. It's been almost a thousand years since the day honoring Valentine or St. Valentine's Day had been established. Okay. It was the Middle Ages. That's when Valentine's Day started becoming associated with like love and romance. And this is because people in France and England believed that February 14th was about the start of the mating season for birds. Okay. Birds are in the air, so they literally thought love was in the air, right? And this is how Valentine's Day became associated with love and romance. And the oldest Valentine greeting that we still have is from the year 1415. However, Valentine's Day in America didn't really get started and have traction until about the 1700s. It was Esther A. Howland in the 1840s who was the first to sell mass-produced Valentine's greetings. Now remember, this is little cards, postcards, little notes, stuff like that. Not really into gifts, chocolate, candy, all that stuff. Then Hallmark started selling cards that were pre-made for Valentine's Day in 1913. And then during the second half of the 20th century, this is when gifts started being added along with greetings. In the 1980s, this is when the diamond industry got its nose in the whole thing and started selling jewelry and associating Valentine's Day with jewelry and things like diamonds. So Valentine's Day, as we know it, as far as love and romance and all this stuff, didn't really get started until about the Middle Ages. And then later on, there were notes and Valentine's Day cards. And then much later on, there was gifts and jewelry and stuff like that. So the version that we have today hasn't really been around for Gosh, not even a hundred years now. That's how young the version of Valentine's Day is that we have today. However, remember all the evidence we went over and we'll do putting all that together here in just a moment when we do the clarification. Now, let's get into some various symbols. And of course, the main symbol that you would associate with Valentine's Day is going to be the heart shape. Now, this... This is not presented to be the shape of a heart. This is actually a sylphium seed pod. And this is the earliest depiction of the shape that we associate with a heart. And like I said, this is a sylphium seed pod. This was found around the shores of the North African coastline. It was used as food flavorings. It was used for contraceptives. It was used as cough syrup etc etc but this is the first instance of the heart shape that we can find from history however <clears throat> this wasn't really associated with the heart or love or romance or anything like that here on the left you see an image of a human heart or a drawing, 3D rendering, whatever you want to call it. On the right, you see the image of a lizard heart. It was about, again, the 14th century that the shape of the heart became, I'm sorry, that the shape became associated with the heart. And prior to the 14th century, anatomy was really based, or our understanding of anatomy rather, was really based on the dissection of animals, going back to the whole faux pas against desecration of corpses, et cetera, et cetera, right? So our understanding of anatomy was based on the dissection of animals. So our concept of what a heart looks like would be an animal heart, and particularly that of something of a lizard or a bird. And in fact, the traditional heart shape that we know of today remember uh, resembles more of a bird heart, avian heart, or reptile heart. When you look at that on 
greeting cards, when you look at that on Valentine's cards, or wherever you might see the heart symbol, it really does not look like a human heart at all. And this is why, because back during the Middle Ages, our understanding of anatomy was based on the dissection of animals, not humans. Now, it was during the 15th century that the heart shape became associated with love. And the association of love and romance with the heart shape became especially popular during the Renaissance, more particularly. Then by the 18th and 19th centuries, it was commonly well known and it was a recurring theme in both love notes and Valentine's Day greeting cards. Nowadays, we have it all over the place, not just love notes and Valentine's cards, but we have it for, gosh, we have it for medical associations. You see heart healthy stuff using the heart shape that we know of on cereal boxes, food products, exercise equipment, et cetera, et cetera, right? Even though it doesn't actually resemble a human heart. But the concept of the heart is something that does connect with scripture because the heart concept within scripture is spoken of many different times. For instance, in Proverbs 3, 3 through 4, it says, Let not loving commitment and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, thus finding favor and good insight in the eyes of Elohim and man. Again, in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Trust in Yahweh with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Know him in all your ways, and he makes all your paths straight. In Scripture, we see the imagery of the heart associated not just with love and perhaps romance, but your will, your way you think. All this is associated with the heart. It's pretty much who you are and where you're the way people understand you come from. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the clean in heart, because they shall see Elohim. And then in Matthew 6, 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart shall be also. So we can see the way that Scripture uses the imagery of the heart also. Now we move into another symbol of Valentine's Day, and of this is, of course, going to be the symbol of Cupid. Okay, so where did Cupid come from, actually? Well, unfortunately, Cupid was the pagan god of love. He was also known to the Greeks as Eros, but to the Romans, he was known as Cupid. Now, Eros is where we get our word in today's day and age of erotic, because it's all about Cupid, or as he was known to the Greeks, Eros. And legend holds to the original description of Cupid with a bow and arrows that he would shoot at someone to create either desire or aversion, depending on who it was and what was requested. Now, during the time when they were actually believing all these satanic things like false gods, Cupid was portrayed not as a little naked baby shooting arrows, but as a full-grown man, actually. But to su suffice it to say that Cupid is a pagan god, pagan, satanic, all the way. No doubt about it. Like I said, we need to clarify some things real quick to try and make sense of all this and how it lines up with other holidays and festivals that we have examined. Now, if we look at something called, or like Christmas, we can see how Christmas has evolved over time. We had the winter solstice and the birth of the sun god, and that was transformed and renamed as the Feast of the Nativity. Then various things like Saturnalia, customs from the Celtic Druids, tree worship customs, all came into this to form what we know of as Christmas today. So we can go back, look at the evidence, and see where 
our celebration of Christmas originated where it came from, right? Now, if we do the same thing with Valentine's Day, <coughs> excuse me, we can see something like this. And when you look up Christian teachings on Valentine's Day, those who are opposed to Valentine's Day will try to make the assumption that it's pagan and it comes from a pagan festival called Lupercalia. However, there was a time when Lupercalia was celebrated. All right. But then at a certain point, Lupercalia and other non-Christian festivals were banned. Then we have the day called St. Valentine's Day established, but it wasn't a markover or a glossing over of a pagan feast like Christmas was. It was just a separate event or a separate cause, separate, separate associations, all that stuff. All right, so we have a clear break between Lupercalia and Valentine's Day. It wasn't until almost a thousand years later, after the establishment of Valentine's Day, that this day became associated with things like love and romance. Now, take it back. I'm sorry, go back and think about what we covered about the aspects and what was involved within Lupercalia. Now, with Lupercalia, that was associated with things like lust, fertility rites, orgies, animal sacrifices, and like we said, it was banned somewhere near the end of the 5th century. However, Valentine's Day, it wasn't even associated with things like love and romance until the Middle Ages. And like we said, Valentine's Day, especially as we know it and how it really got its start, didn't happen until the Middle Ages, almost a thousand years after the end of something like Lupercalia. So, what does all this tell us in conclusion? Well, number one, is the Valentine's Day that we know today a pagan festival that's been handed down to us, like things like Christmas and Easter, Halloween, etc.? To be honest and taking through into consideration all the evidence that we've been able to examine, would have to say no, that Valentine's Day does not originate from paganism. It's just two completely different things established and celebrated at two completely different points in history and for two completely different reasons, or actually more than that, but they're for different reasons. And remember, Pope Galatius outlawed Lupercalia about the end of the 5th century, about 491, right? And then he established St. Valentine's Day on February 14th at somewhere around 498, somewhere near the end of the 5th century anyways. However, as we stated, the symbol of Cupid is nothing more than pagan through and through. So definitely throw that out. Have nothing to do with Cupid. However, you must choose for yourself. We're not going to answer for you. And you're not going to answer for others. If you're a father or a husband, you have charge of your own family. We don't have charge of you and your family. Okay? This is something you need to make a decision on for yourself and for your family. So if you don't want to celebrate Valentine's Day, don't. That's fine. If you do, then do it. That's fine as well. This is something that's not covered in Scripture. Because like we said, it's not coming from a pagan festival like Christmas or Easter. Okay? So it's not commanded in Scripture. It's not prohibited by Scripture. So therefore, we are left up to choose for ourselves. We are given the leniency and freedom to choose this for ourselves. So, whichever way you go, 
Don't let anyone judge you for it and feel good about your choice. And this is something that if you change your mind later, you can do that as well. Now, as always, if we happen to have missed something, then by all means, please write to us at team at godhonesttruth.com because we always are interested in research that we don't know about. So definitely let us know. And if something comes to light that would change this conclusion, we would love to see that. But from everything that we've researched, everything we've seen, everything we've looked at, we just cannot say and determine, like Christmas and Easter, we cannot say that Saint Val- or Valentine's Day is, a, is pagan or that it's from pagan origins. And that's just the God-honest truth. We'd like to thank you for joining us tonight. In just a moment, we'll be doing the Aaronic Benediction. So if you would, go ahead and gather anyone that you would like to have next to you. Go ahead and start gathering them together. And while you're doing that, make sure to go down below. Leave us a comment just saying something like hi, or if you like what you thought about tonight's service, or you know what have you. We just love hearing from you. Also, make sure to hit the share button, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and be sure to ring that bell so you're notified every time that we go live or when we upload a new on-demand video. So, let's go ahead and get into our Aaronic Benediction. Yivarika Yahweh, Vayishmarecha, Yahir Yahweh Panavilecha, Vihunecha, Yisaha Yahweh, Panavilecha, Vayasim Lecha, Shalom. May Yahweh bless you and guard you. May Yahweh make his face shed light upon you and be gracious unto you. May Yahweh lift up his face unto you and give you peace. Thank you once again for joining us tonight. We hope that you got something out of tonight's drosh and tonight's teaching. We hope you have a great, wonderful, and restful Shabbat. We hope that your next upcoming week is going to be filled with good food, good spirits, good health, good fortune, good family, good friends, good food. And until we meet again, Make sure to take care of yourself, take care of each other. Shabbat Shalom and Shavua Tov.